Uh, prayer, 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 prayer. How many of you guys, show of hands, not did you do it, but are you appreciating the Prayer at the Sevens initiative? Yes. All right, keep it up if you're actually doing it. All right, God bless you guys. I'm telling you, I love it. It's a reminder for me. I'm really, really kind of leaning into that seven minutes. I'm finding myself praying for seven minutes, and then it's gone. And um, that's the goal is, again, on Sunday, we talked about what if those that aren't praying at all pray a little? What if those pr that pray a little pray a lot? Things begin to shift in the spirit realm. Amen? How I many of you guys need something to shift in the spirit realm for you? Amen? Always, always. All right, ready? <laughs> Let's start with an easy one. No. Let me give a disclaimer here. <laughs> all right, so, first of all, I'll tell you, over this month of August, we are going to have, on Sunday morning, a sermon about prayer, and on Wednesday night, I'm going to do the best I can to give you really, really, really practical application of prayer, and if we have time, we'll actually do that thing. So, tonight is point of contact prayer, and before we're done tonight, I hope to have time to give you guys an opportunity to hold one of these little bad boys in your hand and pray over that need. They don't have names on them, but my hope is to teach you, teach us, what point of contact prayer is. Um, next week, we'll go over the praying for one another. So we're going to kind of talk about what that looks like and give you some practical stuff about how to pray for someone else and still not make it weird. Amen. All right, so <laughs> then we're going to go into intercession on our third time together, and we're calling that prayer at another level, and that's going to be a, a, a dynamic time as we go through that, and then finally, we will have a rotation as we have some of our team members and our staff help us out with um, how do you pray for someone to receive healing, how do you approach someone who needs deliverance, yeah, we're going there. Amen? Amen. So because it is my assignment, I believe, it is my assignment to teach you, me, God is teaching me, to how to pick up your sword and become an army. Amen? Let's be warriors for the sake of the kingdom of God and beat back the devil. Amen? So today we're going to talk, we're going to talk about point of contact prayer. Point of contact is what it sounds like it is. There's a thing that you come in contact with that kind of helps you put um, some perspective in what you're praying for. We're going to begin in Leviticus. I've got some scriptures that's going to be on the screen, but there was one that I forgot about, so I added it in. Leviticus chapter 8, verse 12. There's a passage in, in the book of James where it says, If any are sick among you, call for the elders of the church, and they lay their hands on the sick and anoint them with oil, and they shall recover. So that sounds like a faith statement to me, right? When the scripture says, do this to the sick one, and they shall recover, our responsibility is just to do that. Now, I want to help you escape some legalism here. What if I don't have any oil? 
Well, what if you don't have the one that's frankincense and myrrh that you buy at the Bible bookstore? Guys, there's no more Bible bookstores. So what are you going to do? Well, Amazon, but that still takes a day, right? Unless you pay extra and come on, ain't nobody got that kind of money. So what if you don't have oil? Well, the other day I was invited to go to a restaurant and uh, we were uh, called upon to pray uh, over the restaurant and uh, it was awesome experience. It was great. And then I didn't bring my little oil with me because I was going to anoint specific things in the building. And I said, do you have any oil? And so we go back to the back and, and they got these jugs of cooking oil. And uh, <laughs> it was pre-launch, you remember? And uh, I'm, I'm saying remember to Peter because that's who it is. Anyway, it was pre-launch and they're cutting the cooking oil over. And the guy that's getting it for me is one of the owners. And he's not even a believer. He's like, this is weird, but okay. But the prayer worked, right? The, 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 the blessing of the Lord is upon that place. So we're going to talk about anointing oil. Why does it come? Where does the idea of anointing oil come from? All the way back to Leviticus 8, 12. I'm talking fast. Can you tell I'm excited to be back at family night? Oh, man, what a great time we're having already. I'm having at least. All right. And you're in the room. All right. Leviticus 8, 12. We see here a passage of Scripture where God himself lays out the practice of anointing the priest. And in verse 12, it says, Then he, talking about Moses, poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head, anointing him and making him holy for his work. We see this principle of anointing with oil that started in the priesthood, but then carried over toward the kingdom, the king's. Anointing Saul, anointing David. And so immediately we find that the anointing of someone with oil is not limited to just the priesthood. It's also something that can be anointed for kings, which takes us as wonderful, Bible-believing, um, passionate Pentecostals. Man, if you can anoint for this, then we can anoint for pretty much anything. Amen. So the oil, hear me, isn't holy. See, that's where we get mixed up sometimes in the modern denominations. They'll take the thing and make it holy, but it isn't about the thing. It's about the spirit behind the thing. Amen? The water in the tank just comes from the spigot for baptism. But the symbol of baptism is holy because God has ordained it. The oil from that little thing, there, I was doing a Bible study on anointing oil one time, and I found the formula in the passage of Exodus as it was laid out in Leviticus where they said, make it exactly this way, and God's laying it out. And then it says, but no one should make this for personal use. This is my recipe. So the, the, the oil of anointing that God ordained is the KFC original recipe, amen. Use it only for this. And so we have opportunity here with laying on of hands. That's a point of contact. It's something that I put on my hands, my fingers, or whatever, and anoint someone on the head or on the hand or wherever it might be. There's a point of contact that in your physical body, you make a spiritual connection. You with me? 
Sometimes in praying for people, people will describe that when I, was walk, when I was experiencing the healing, I felt a warmth in that area of my body. Well, God doesn't need you to feel warmth when he heals you. You agree with that? But he does that for your benefit. Then you go, oh, something's happening. And then good preachers will say, well, move, move it. Yeah, it's, I can move it. And run, you know, flip, whatever. Exodus chapter 30, verse 30, we have this other idea of anointing, which I, when I went to the restaurant, back to that idea, I placed oil on the top and the sides of the door. Now, anybody that had no idea what was going on there would think, you're weird. You can go into my office even today and see the remnant of the oil that was put on it when we moved in in 2019. Because there's a marker in the spirit realm that was made by the oil. Does the oil make it more holy? No. But it is the spirit behind the thing. And in Exodus 30 is where we get this precedence. Exodus, uh, no, I'm sorry. Exodus, uh, not 30, 12. Exodus 12, 7, we find the anointing of the doorposts to be passed over, right? So it says here in the scriptures, they are to take some of the blood, speaking of the blood of the lamb, and smear it on the sides and the tops of the door frames. And what would happen is the angel of death that God was sending for judgment, catch this, come on. When the angel of death that was being sent for judgment would pass over the one who was marked. You know, the scripture says that when we receive the Lord Jesus, that there is a seal upon our heart by the Holy Spirit. We are now marked that the judgment passes us over because Jesus has paid the price. So we have this anointing oil that happens, an anointing of these doorposts. And then again, we see it in Exodus 30. This is where the recipe for the anointing oil is that I was talking about. And it's, it mentions, anoint Aaron and his sons, consecrate them to serve me as priests. So we start with oil, and then we go into um, another example that I need to address that is kind of point of contact, but it might mess with some of you. You ready? Pentecostal circles, we have something we call slain in the spirit. Ever heard of that? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Slain in the Spirit. It's become very common in charismatic and Pentecostal circles. But my stance on anything is if it's not in the Bible explicitly, then I have no business teaching it as a doctrine. You with me? Now, that does not mean that I don't believe that that happens. But let me give you the context of the only people that were ever, quote-unquote, slain in the Spirit in Scripture. John chapter 18. The soldiers were coming to get Jesus. And in verse 6, well, in verse 4, 
It says, Jesus realized all that was going to happen to him, and he stepped forward to meet them. These soldiers were coming in after him. This is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Who are you looking for, he asked. Jesus the Nazarene, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. As Jesus said, I am he, they all drew back and fell to the ground. <laughs> yeah, Jesus didn't have to forehead them. Yeah? No. <laughs> Which, by the way, they were Roman soldiers. They were coming to kill him. They weren't coming to worship. You with me? The other instance in Scripture of someone falling over in quote-unquote this idea of being slain is in Matthew 28. Now, before you get too mad at me, I'm not done yet. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 4, it says, The guards shook with fear when they saw him, saw Jesus, and they fell into a dead faint. They fell over like dead men, the King James says. So we have two instances where people are knocked over by the power of Jesus and the Spirit. You with me? Now, being a person that has been prayed for on occasion where I cannot stand, someone lays hands on me, someone's praying for me, could be behind me or, or before me, or I could be, no one touch me at all, but something happens that my knees buckle, that I cannot stand there. It is something, there is something powerful that when the Holy Spirit moves in such a way, your physical body cannot push back. You buckle under the power of God. You with me? However, I'm the kind of person that if somebody's pushing me, <laughs> go down, brother. No! <laughs> You're fighting it. No, I'm not! right which is why here at greater life church we train our altar workers to chill don't nobody need to be smacking nobody let the holy spirit do it and he does amen here we go now let's talk about point of contact uh, number one the reach in faith matthew chapter 9 Matthew chapter 9. <laughs> I love family night. Okay. As Jesus was saying this, the leader of the synagogue, uh, Matthew chapter 1, the reach in faith. As Jesus was saying this, the leader of synagogue came and knelt before him. My daughter has just died, he said, but you can bring her back to life again if you just come and lay your hand on her. So Jesus and his disciples got up and went with him. Just then, a woman who had been suffering for 12 years with constant bleeding came up behind him. She touched the fringe of his robe. For she thought, if I can just touch his robe, point of contact, I will be healed. Now, this is a two-verse miracle, one verse really, where a woman of 12 years just then, point of contact, touches something. I'm amazed by this story, and I'll tell you why. Because she went and got her healing. The reach of faith, right? Jesus didn't stop and lay hands on her. As a matter of fact, he stopped and said, whoa, 
Jesus turned around when he saw her and said, Daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has made you well, and the woman was healed in that moment. In another gospel, it describes Jesus stopped because he felt power leave him. Amazing. The reach of faith is something powerful, a point of contact. And that's why, that's why the devil is a liar, because in, co- in COVID, he tried to steal our fellowship. Because sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes we experience that week that if I can just get into the house of the Lord, if I can just get on sight, I made it. The reach in faith happens right here. And a lady who's sick for 12 years and has exhausted all of her resources finally found healing. It continues to go on in verse 23. What is the result of all this? When Jesus arrived at the official's house, remember there was a a girl who had died in this process. He, He saw a noisy crowd and heard a funeral music. Get out, he told them. I don't have enough time to preach and teach on that. The girl isn't dead. She's only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him. After the crowd was put outside, however, Jesus went in and took the girl by the hand and he said, and, and she stood up. The report of this miracle swept through the entire countryside. We find here another point of contact. Jesus now reaching faith. The lady reaches and touches the hem of his garment and gets her miracle. Then Jesus touches the girl, Right? And the miracle happens. Number two, the result of the work. First of all, the reach in faith. What you need to see in the reach in faith is sometimes you need to reach for him. Somebody will get that in a minute. Somebody, sometimes you need to reach for him. Now, but there are times that he knows you need him. To reach down and grab you by the hand. Amen. Amen. Isn't it good to know that God knows what we need when we need it? Acts chapter 5. The result of the work. Acts chapter 5. Beginning in verse 12. The apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. But no one else dared to join them, even though all the people had high regard for them. Yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord, crowds of both men and women. As the apostles worked, as the apostles work, the sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. Crowds came by from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed. Now let me just address something that is called reading things into the text. Uh, put, put that verse back up for me, Taylor. I want to show y'all something. Peter's shadow. So sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across them as he went by. Period. Right? The next statement, crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits and they were all healed. 
Go the verse before, the apostles are doing the work of the Holy Spirit, which is healing the sick and casting out demons. Now, here's what I'm calling reading it into the text or inference. We like to say that Peter's shadow would heal people. You ever heard that? Do you see that? Come on, talk to me. Does it say that? Are we blasphemous for saying that? No. Smith Wigglesworth experienced it in the 1900s. His shadow would fall on people and they would be made well. But that's not what happened here. And when I opened, I said, we're going to talk about some weird Pentecostal things. (laughs) Here's what Pentecostals are good at. Taking teeny tiny little things and creating a whole practice out of it. So here's here's the extreme statement. All right, we're going to have a shadow walk. We're going to go at 3 o'clock in the afternoon when all of the drug addicts are laid across the street and walk to where our shadow hits them. And Shondai Sycamotai, they're all going to get made well. Are you with me? And that's where we get in trouble. Because if we really want to see the power of God, then you don't need to shadow walk. Get down there on your knee and grab them by the hand and look them in the eye and cast the devil out of them and see them delivered. Amen. We build sometimes things around something that we heard. And I can tell you, church, it would do you good to read it for yourself. But the result of the work is this. The apostles worked. And when the apostles worked, sick people were made well and possessed people were delivered. The devil loses again when the apostles do the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen? All right. Number three. The rare occurrence. I want to mention some names here, but they're 80s, 90s televangelists, so I won't even go there. But Acts chapter 19, it's kind of the same principle that we just discussed. It says in Acts chapter 19, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when when you believed? He asked them, no, they replied. We haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism, for the sake of time, I'm going to skip to verse 11. Verse 11. The, The background of the verses before is simply this. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, which enabled them to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and to see the power of God move. Now, skipping on to verse 11, God gave Paul power to perform unusual, say unusual, miracles. (laughs) Now, what does unusual mean in the original biblical languages, you think? Unusual, that's right. When in, the, in the Greek, Aramaic, and Hebrew, it all means the same thing. Unusual miracles when handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases, and evil spirits were expelled. Now, 
We have the idea of prayer cloths, point of contact. We have, I actually have gotten one before that I've prayed over this and here it is because I can't be there in person. There's nothing wrong with that. But that is an unusual miracle. What is wrong with that is to pray over a thousand prayer cloths and sell them on TV for $19.99. Are you with me? I'm praying over these right now. I'm going to send that $19.99. You give a sow a gift right now. Come on. Let's stay within the scriptures. It's enough. However, that point of contact is also something that could make faith arise. Because it wasn't Jesus' garment that healed the woman, was it? It was just a garment. But her faith brought her to a place where she reached an expectation. And supernaturally, the healing power of Jesus left his body and into his garment and healed her. Amen? So, pray over a garment. Pray over a thing. Do, it, do the point of contact. Anoint the doors. Slap oil on the doorposts. Do it. But also, don't find yourself in a place where you're in this legalistic type of weird spot that unless I do exactly this, it won't work. Let me tell you something. It ain't going to work unless God does it anyway. And if you're being weird, God might just be like, I'm going to wait until you figure this thing out. Because that is not what it says. Some people out there trying to run under their own shadow. Like, oh, yeah. God help us all. Amen? You know, the, the, the scriptures and prayer, point of contact, this whole idea is incredibly complex and simple at the same time. It reminds me of something. The gospel. Which... How in the world could blood physically spilt on a cross 2,000 years ago forgive me of my sin? I don't know, but I believe it. And then we have a harder time even believing that we can receive something called the Holy Spirit and speak in other tongues and be anointed to heal and to cast out demons and be used in a very powerful way by the Spirit of the Lord. So this rare occurrence brings me to my modern examples. We've already talked about slain in the spirit. I wanted to get to that. Now, let me also share with you, I don't want a church full of people pushing back against the altar workers. I don't want you coming up here. Man, I hope they try to touch me in my head. Because <laughs> they're not going to get a pastor. Andrew said, I can push them. Don't push the altar workers. Pastor Victor's out going, oh, man. People are going to be pushing all the workers up against the state. Get off of me. <sighs> Sometimes holding something, a modern example, while this is a book full of pages physically, spiritually to me, this is the word of God, infallible, inerrant, and, in, and eternal. And holding this, and Lord, please, God, let, let this get into my spirit. Something about that point of contact and holding something helps me. 
power of a praying mom goes into the room of a child that may be making stupid decisions in their life and holds that t-shirt or holds that that nightstand diary or whatever the case may be that's a point of contact that puts you in a place where your faith can rise even to the point that God is remember a creative God and not limited to what he's already done somebody get that you know he can do new things. <laughs> and, and, and there's new miracles and new mercies. And God can be creative today as he's always been. Amen? There's another thing called standing in proxy. Raise your hand if you know what that is. Come on, show me. Oh, a lot of y'all know what that is. Or standing in the gap. And sometimes, you know, if you've been around uh, 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 Pentecostal folks long enough, they come up, I'm standing in proxy, I'm standing in the gap for so-and-so. Now, that's a point of contact for them and that prayer warrior where I'm praying for your grandma who's in the hospital and you're here standing in the gap. And our prayer is not limited to the physical, right? So we're praying for Grandma June or whatever, and that is effective. Point of contact. There's another thing, this anointing of inanimate objects. Now, I'd be lying if I didn't tell you that all of these chairs in here have remnants of oil somewhere. Because I'll come in and pray over this place at different times, and I, I, I do this, and I'm walking through it. And so if your hair sticks to the seat one day, it's probably the anointing oil. You probably got the good seat that Sunday. There ain't nothing about that chair that's going to change your life. But the faith that the prayer warrior put into the chair in expectation, amen, that something's going to break, that something's going to happen. There's another idea that I, I was introduced to a few years ago, this idea of burying Bibles. Anybody ever heard of that one? Burying Bibles. Here's the deal. The corners of the property, I'm not saying go do this, but if you want to, I'm standing on the foundation of the word of God. It's no different than anointing the doorposts and saying, I declare that this house is protected by the Holy Spirit, and devil, you are not allowed here, right? In the spirit realm, you're making a statement. Did you know that the devil also sees what happens in the physical? You, you believe that, right? And so when we're, when we're putting a stake in the ground by saying, I'm going to take the word of God and I'm going to plant it firmly in this place in, the, in my property, then I can do that as a sign of I'm claiming this for the Lord. As a matter of fact, when we were building this building and building the other building, we had a building signing. So we would write scriptures on all of the rafters and all of the beams. And some people would have little pieces of paper that they would put into the walls that had scriptures and faith statements on it. And there's nothing in scripture that I read about that. Anybody ever found anything on, on the scriptures about that? But it's something, a point of contact for us that we're saying this building is set aside and it's going to be used for the glory of God and powerful things are going to happen in here. Amen? There's another one called the Jericho March. That one was really, really popular for a number of years. 
The Jericho march is the idea that we're going to do some laps. Because in Joshua chapter 6, they walked around the city once a day for six days and seven times on the seventh day. Now, if I were to tell you right now, let's get up and take some paces around the church. Yeah, I know you are. <laughs> but it's hot out there today. And I don't want the church to fall down. You know, I, <laughs> I like the church. <laughs> But there's this concept of we're doing what was modeled in Scripture for the sake of victory. There's a point of contact. We're doing something in the physical that we can now translate into spiritual. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 24, I love this passage of Scripture. So many of you know that we're acquiring the property in a short order next door the five acres and then the next property there's another five acres and your pastor wants you to know that I've walked all of it ever since we've been here because I believe if God wants us to have it then that means that we're going to need it amen and in Deuteronomy eleven twenty four, it says wherever you set your foot that land will be yours and so I take that as a precedence that was given to the children of Israel to go and claim what I've already given you. And I'm, listen, it don't cost me nothing to go walk to trespass. I'm walking, hey, what are you doing? No. My land, my land, my land, my land. It, 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 you know, but at the end of the day, it is God who's going to give it or not. Some of us don't pray because we think it won't happen. <laughs> Man, if you live in that spot, it won't happen. Ooh. <laughs> but if you start praying radical, miracle-working prayers, it might just happen. Amen? Let's pray over these prayer cards. Here's what we're going to do for the next seven or eight minutes. There's prayer cards up here. I'm going to get, um, Kelly, will you take this box to the back and just throw some on a couple of tables back there? These prayer cards, first of all, let me do a, a little coaching, point of contact prayer. My prayer card says, can't read that writing. I'm sure somebody will pray over that one. Okay. Help me, God, to be, that, be the bright light that you need me to be and my loved ones need me to be. So, the, praying over that prayer card, I'm just in 30 seconds, you ready? Bow your heads with me, we're gonna pray. Lord, I pray for this person that wrote this and I declare in Jesus' name that all darkness would flee. Lord, that they have made a promise to you that they want to be this bright light for the sake of what you're calling them to do and for the sake of their family. And I pray as I hold it in my hand, that the person that held this and wrote this in faith, that with your help, they're believing that you can bring this about. And even now, whether they're here or not, even now, I pray that you would bring this to pass. God, that the lies of the enemy would be cast off, that the darkness in their life would flee, and that they would become a bright light for the sake of the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. Amen. That's a point of contact prayer. It's simple and you're acknowledging the fact that somebody a couple weeks ago wrote this down and their heart was stirred and they laid it on an altar hoping 
that God would help them keep that promise. Don't forget that point of contact has something significant behind it. Amen? So, Tony, would you put on some prayer music for us, and then you guys can walk all over the building. We're going to turn the lights down to about 25% or something, and then just get a card. They're at the back. They're at the front. Take seven or eight minutes, and let's pray. Amen? Let's do it. Hallelujah. Keep praying. I'm going to pray out loud for a couple. If you have one in your hand that you feel you'd like for us to pray for out loud, bring that forward right now. Lord, I pray for the one in my hand right now that says to walk away from the occult. And I declare in Jesus' name that the lies that this individual has been under have now been made clear. The truth has been made loud to them. And I thank you for that, that they know they are to walk away from these evil things. And I ask you in Jesus' name that like you did in the book of Acts, that people would bring their books and burn them that represented their commitment to the occult, that this person would leave this behind in Jesus' name. And I pray, I pray, God, that supernatural deliverance would take place now. Now. They would no longer be bound, that they would no longer be wrapped up, that they would no longer be deceived, but, God, that they would walk in complete and total freedom and that the spirits of darkness would now be removed and replaced by the power of the Holy Spirit of the living God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray that this one that says, my pride will be broken. And God will work through me. Lord, the word says that you humble the proud and you exalt the humble, Lord. And right now, I ask for this person that has made this step. They've recognized that there is pride within their life and in their heart. And we declared that the recognition of that is in itself an act towards humility. And God, I pray, I pray right now that that would be removed. And that the desire that, God, that you would work through them as they are broken before you, that that would become a reality, God. That the brokenness of their heart, that broken and contrite, contrite spirit would be brought forth and they would do great and mighty things for the sake of your kingdom. In Jesus' name. And we declare in the spirit realm against the spirit of pride in our nation today. Break it. Break it. Bring people with a humble heart to run to you again. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Curing of cancer. <laughs> Curing of cancer and reading my Bible more. And God, we recognize right now that the healing of cancer is incredibly important and a miracle. But the reading of the Bible is the feeding of the Spirit. And we recognize that those two things are both incredibly important. And I pray, Lord, that you would heal this cancer, that you would dissolve these cells that do not belong, that were not created by you and do not belong in that body. Lord, I pray that the body would function the way you created it to function. And Lord, I believe that the cancer is in the right side. And Lord, it's to be removed in Jesus' name. Right now, may it be dissolved. Hallelujah. 
Thank you for healing. Lord, the, even the voice can be heard on this one. Help me to be a good friend, sibling, and daughter in the Lord's eyes. Such a simple request, such a simple promise to you, Lord, but recognizing that they need your help to bring these things to pass. It shows us the desperateness of our hearts and depravity of our lives. Without you, we are nothing, not even a, 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 not even a daughter and a sibling that, that is good. But with you, we can be. And so, God, I pray that this person would now feel an anointing, an anointing to be these things in their life, a good friend, a good sibling, a good daughter in your eyes, in Jesus' name. And help them now with self-esteem. God, as I see this, their desire to be this in your eyes, help them now to see themselves as you see them. Uh, valuable and precious in your sight. And the words that have been spoken over them in Jesus' name that were negative and not life-giving, may those things and those lies be removed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Just a couple more if you have them. Mm. Help me not to reduce my self-worth with my thoughts or words or worry about the rejection from others. Holy Spirit, thank you for leading this that now there is a in our world a great battle going on in heaven and in the spirit between what you say about us and what the world and the devil and even those in our lives say about us you say we're valuable enough to be bought with a price that Jesus cost you everything and so, Lord, I pray right now that the self-worth of this person would be elevated to what you see in them, that their thoughts and their words, even of their own design, have torn down their own self-worth. And I pray, God, I declare in the Spirit that they would begin to speak words of life over themselves. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And so, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we've had to pray. This point of contact that we've had. Help us to teach, help us to, to learn this teaching, to apply it to our lives as we go out from here. Help us to know, God, that, that even, even though some of the things we've talked about are unique and different, Lord, you're creative. You may call us to do even more unique things and more unusual things and work miracles in even greater ways that, that, that God would even shock us to see how you can bring things about. Lord, we lean into that and we lean into what you're calling us to. I pray, God, that everyone in here tonight would be reminded that prayer really does change things.
and that the cards that we hold in our hands tonight, that something is shifting in the spirit realm for those people. And we may not even see it immediately, but God, we chip away at darkness again and again and again because breakthrough is coming. And we trust you with that. And Lord, I thank you for our time tonight. May you anoint us as we move forward through the rest of our week. You're precious to us, God. <laughs> Your presence is so refreshing. May we walk under your anointing and your blessing and truly, truly, truly sense the power of the living God within us day by day, moment by moment. And as we pray, change us so, God, we can change the world. For your sake and your glory alone, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you praise the Lord for what he's done tonight? What a wonderful time. Amen.